Well, the looks of it outside, Tyson, you should have sang I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas or something. <clears throat> I was looking out at that snow, and uh, as we were singing those last two songs, I actually got this rush of sentimentality of just, I, I, I saw myself as a little boy growing up on the rural farm place in, in Ontario, Canada, going to the rural church I grew up in in Harrowsmith, Ontario. I know all of you know where that is. It's just near Sydenham, Ontario, just south of Verona, Ontario. And uh, actually, I grew I grew up in Hardington, Ontario, which is even more in the sticks than Harrowsmith. But that little little church in Harrowsmith, and and I just remembered as a kid, like being in those Christmas programs. It just you know how a memory would just come rushing back and uh, so vividly, and and I thought. Who would have known that that little boy back then would one day be in Willow, Alaska, where it's dumping down snow? And just amazing. The Bible says that uh, our lines have fallen upon pleasant places. Yea, we have a good heritage. And, and that's how I really feel today, being with you. I'm honored. I'm blessed of the Lord. My life verse has been John fifteen sixteen that says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that's my heart for our time that we have with you all here as your pastor. I want to see God. I love that song we sang, May the King Come Down. And it's all about his glory. It's all about his fame and that we bear fruit here and that your fruit, the fruit that Jesus bears, that it brings fruit and it remains, that it remains, that it stays and it sticks to his glory. Well, I wanted to tell you about myself, but we'll do that as we go along. But I want to introduce my wife, Frankie. She is, uh, her gender is female. And uh, <laughs> Yes, yes, I am female. This is Frankie, my beloved of how many years? 45. 45 years. So Known Just, each other uh, for 48. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, my real name is Francis. Francis Esther. I have two grandchildren with the middle name of Esther now. So I'm blessed with that. But when I was born, I was my older brothers thought I should have been another boy because there was already four boys. They wanted another boy. And um, so my brother said, I'm not calling her Francis. I'll call her Frank. So Frank became Frankie, and it was better than Froggy, um, because I was also nicknamed Froggy for learning to crawl, and I jumped instead of crawling. Anyway, um, so I'm Frankie. That's been my name most of my life. So um, I grew up in South Carolina, rural South Carolina. My dad was a minister. He has 10 children. I'm the eighth of 10, and we're all still living um, all over the U.S., but we all come back to South Carolina for a reunion. And um, what else was I going to say? We've been married for 45 years. We have three children, mm -hmm. and they're all grown up, and I have 11 grandchildren, and none of them live in Alaska. Uh, we raised them in Fairbanks, but then we moved outside, and they didn't come back with us. So um, I teach at Chugiak High School. I've been there. This is my 20th year teaching math, high school math. I teach calculus and geometry and algebra this year, and I moved myself up to the head of the math department, and so I'm considering retiring sometime soon, so you can help me pray about that. Um, my heart loves the Lord, and even though I teach in a public school, I've taught in Christian school, homeschooled, 
this is a ministry that God has for me at this season in my life, and um, so I consider that I am an undercover agent for the Lord as I walk the halls. And um, so anyway, I love the Lord, and I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you, honey. Appreciate that. It's been a joy to walk with her as we're driving up this morning. I was just thanking God for her and telling her what a blessing she's been all my life as we've been in ministry since the day that we got married, 40-some years, how many years? 45 years. And anyway, I came to Alaska initially in 1976 and went did missionary work down the Yukon River. That was my introduction to Alaska, fell in love with Alaska, and uh, pastored, went back and got married, finished my schooling, got married, we pastored, and then came back again to Fairbanks in 1989, and I was assigned the job under a missionary organization in Fairbanks called Polar Evangelism. They had a ministry at UAF as a campus pastor, so I did that and then got asked to pastor a church in Fairbanks to help that church out that was struggling. And uh, and so we pastored in Fairbanks for a number of years, and then relatives and people from Canada came to Alaska to vacation and, and enticed me back to Ottawa, Canada, Ottawa, Ontario, our nation's capital, to pastor there. And for five years, I pined every day for Alaska until one day, literally, I think it was a Christmas morning, I'm looking out my window and I'm begging God. I says, God, I need relief. It, I said, I either take this out of my heart, take Alaska out of my heart, or send me back. I, I can't live with this distraction. And out of the blue, I get a call from a district superintendent in Seattle saying, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I've heard about you and want to invite you to candidate at our church in Eagle River. So God answered my prayer. We came back to Eagle River from Canada after five years there, after being in Fairbanks to Ottawa, the Eagle River, for 11 years. And then here we are. So with the, I was also on staff at Cornerstone Church in South Anchorage and then three years at the Wasilla Campus Church on the Rock. So God does guide us indeed in pleasant places and we do have a good heritage or in the King James says goodly heritage. I want to bring the word of God to our hearts this morning. Um, I was thinking, you know, yesterday when I was feeding my uh, chickens, uh, filling my chicken feeders, I, it suddenly dawned on me that we only have 10 more days until the darkness gives way to dawning and we start gaining light again. Isn't that great? I mean, only 10 more days. Think about that. And as the daylight increases, then the buds will begin to burst to new life. And my honeybees, uh, I have four or five, five different honeybee hives right now that I'm overwintering, and they'll begin to emerge from their darkness and begin to blink their eyes and do that happy little waggle dance that honeybees do. And at the smell of the fresh aroma of the, the nectar and the pollen bursting forth from all of our uh, apples and cherries and plum trees and currants and hascaps and raspberries and strawberries and, and all the fun things on our farm and they'll be, begin to burst open with new life under the powerful influence of the emerging light. And uh, I want to talk about light this morning because when the Apostle John opens up his gospel at the, the, telling us about the Christmas story at the beginning of his gospel, he talked about Jesus coming to our world as a healing light, a healing light. And according to his gospel, light is a really, really big deal. 
Light is a great description, John thinks, of the mission of Jesus. That He says that Jesus will come to be a light and that his light will be actually the healing of the universe. And that sounds like a pretty large claim, but I want to read the verses that John begins his gospel with in John chapter 1, and I invite you, if you have your Bibles, you can look at that as well. But John chapter 1, verse 1. Hear the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we uh, just ask that your Holy Spirit would take these words, the eternal word of God, the words that flow from your heart, the words that you've given to us to bring to us life, and uh, I pray that you will just cause them to penetrate into our own hearts, Lord, and bring forth new life to us even here this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I remember an old song that we used to sing back in that church in Harrowsmith I grew up in that was titled, it was like for a missionary service song, We've a Story to Tell to the Nations. It said, We've a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right, a story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light, a story of peace and light. And then the refrain or the chorus pronounced this hope-filled proclamation that said, For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright, and Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth, the kingdom of love and light. That's Christmas. That's the Christmas John is talking about in his gospel, that Jesus Christ was born to bring to our world a kingdom of love and light. I love the old herald that we sang earlier today, the uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, written by Charles Wesley, the line that says, I don't know if you caught it, he said, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And Jesus Christ came to our world to bring light to our world that would be like a healing light. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. So we're calling our Christmas series Home for the Holidays, How a Baby Born Back Then Can uh, Help Us Begin Again. 
Now, it rhymes that way, but in Canada we would say again, but I, I can't say again because that won't rhyme with how a baby born back then, you know, can help you begin again. <laughs> um, but to answer that, I want to take us to the Gospel of John and tell you the answer to how that baby born that back then can help us begin again. And that John's answer to that question is that he, well, he came as a healing light. He came as a light to heal the universe, to heal us of our woundedness. And so the Gospel of John tells us, first of all, that Jesus came to our world to be a healing light. Now, it's interesting that John's gospel begins like a mirror image of, of uh, the book of Genesis. Genesis is a book of beginnings, right? In the beginning, God created the world. And John's gospel begins the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word became flesh. And so John is opening up the, the gospel saying that as God created the world in Genesis, God in Jesus Christ is going to bring a new creation to our world. It's new hope coming to our world. And he begins by describing it as the word becoming flesh or the word becoming known, the word being revealed, the, the, the word of God being revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And the word is really significant for we, we find it all through the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs, for example, it says, how shall a man cleanse his way? Well, that's a really good question. How can we find cleansing from the sin in our life? Proverbs says, how shall a man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word, by opening ourselves to the light of God's word. Well, John's gospel begins talking about that word and says that Jesus revealed the word of God. He, he became light to our world. Uh, and so he makes this announcement in verse 4 that Jesus is the light of all mankind. Everyone, nobody's left out of the healing rays of this light. It's, it's a light for all of us. And then in verse 9, he says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, came into our world. And so Christmas, says John, is the good news that Jesus came to our world to be a light that would dawn on our darkness. Darkness shall give way to dawning. In other words, Jesus will deal with our darkness. Jesus will heal our darkness. And the Old Testament prophets talked a lot about this. They talked a lot about light coming. Here's an example out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, that says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. If you've ever listened to Handel's Messiah, Handel takes a lot of the passages of Isaiah and puts them in song, and this is one of them. The people... No, I shouldn't even try that. But, well, okay. but when I read these verses, I just hear Handel, you know, Handel's Messiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land, are we living in a land of deep darkness? The land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so this is the gospel. This is Christmas. This is the message of Christmas. And it's exactly how Jesus described himself. It says in John 8, 12, Jesus stood up and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So Jesus made it, 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 
it very clear, three things very clear. One is who he is, who he was, what his followers would be like, and what his ministry would do in that verse. He says, uh, here's who I am. I am the light of the world. So that's a description of what he is like. He's like a light. And and he defined what his followers would be like, what Christian believers would be like, people who follow Jesus. He said, my followers will not walk in darkness. And that's key because Jesus came to heal us from our darkness so that we become reflectors of the nature of God ourselves, light bearers of Jesus Christ in the places where we go. So he said, I'm the light of the world. My followers will be light bearers. They, They will not walk in darkness and Thirdly, he said that my ministry will be a light that will bring life. And that's so important. We're going to talk about that. It's really interesting when Jesus wanted to tell us why he came, he chose this word light. And Jesus came then to shed light on our human situation, our human problem. He knows exactly what the disease is. He knows exactly where it's located. He knows how to find it. He knows how to cure it. He knows us and he totally gets us. And that's really good news, though it could be a little unsettling, I suppose, but it's great news because it means the darkness that you're in is not too much for him. The Apostle John said the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. It will not defeat it. This means that Jesus is the answer to our darkness. The darkness is not too difficult. It's not too perplexing. It's not mystifying to him. It's not impenetrable to him. There's no darkness that's too deep where Jesus cannot go. There's no darkness too dense for him that's too foreboding, too sinister, or too evil for him. That he's, It's just not too entrenched in our world that his light cannot reach it. His light will defeat the darkness, it says. And the Gospel of John opens up with this pronouncement. A light has come, and it has the power to penetrate the hidden darkness of our world. And the darkness that you are in is not too deep or too much for him. And another thing this means that when John says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it, is that the darkness is not going to win. And that's good news. As we look at the world today and listen to the, the news, uh, the darkness is not going to win. Um, Jesus' birth means that the light will always be dawning on the darkness. And so that gives us hope that this is good news, the good news of Christmas, the tidings of great joy, that a light is shining in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. The dawning of this light John says we'll do two things. It will penetrate the darkness. He says that a light will shine in the darkness and it will purge the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it, which that means that Jesus came to our world to be a healing light and he will purge or cleanse the darkness of our hearts. And that's the Christmas message, the Christmas story, that Jesus came to the world to be a healing light. Now, the second thought that I want to mention today is that our own spiritual life grows a certain way. It grows by exposure to the light. It grows by light. When John writes 
about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that's like, he wants us to see how two words are connected together. The words light and the word life. Light and life fit together in the way God works in our life. He said, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus defined his light as light, uh, as life. In other words, his light has life-giving properties to it. Uh, there's, there's no other path to living in abundant life than letting God shine his light on our hearts and on our sin. And this is the principle of spiritual life, that spiritual life grows by the light. It comes by the process of the dawning of light. In Canada, it comes by the process of the dawning of light. <laughs> but light is essential. We know that um, biologically, light is essential to life. Uh, it's also true spiritually that light is what creates spiritual life. For us to have spiritual life, we have to be willing to be awakened by the light. That's why we need a regular time with God, reading his word every day. We can't live in darkness. We can't live in denial. Uh, denial is choosing the darkness and not the light. We can't hide our sins in the darkness. We have to allow Jesus to enter our darkness and expose those blind spots in the darkness of our soul. So the more that we allow him to expose our sin, the more we live in his abundant life. That's the principle of spiritual life. And I see this connection between light and life illustrated in my chickens, in the chicken coop. Um, chickens only produce eggs uh, according to how much light that they have, if they have enough light. So this past summer, you remember August and September were so rainy and so bleak and so dark that it completely ch shut my chickens down. They quit laying eggs. I've never seen them um, all quit eggs, quit laying eggs all at the same time. And normally they stagger it or they do it slowly. But I mean, it just entirely shut down. I'm not telling you even how many chickens I have. Um, but my wife's a math teacher and she torments me by reminding me how many we have. <laughs> but, uh, but if you have a lot of chickens and they all shut down. And, uh, and, and, and it was because they were lacking light. And so I had to go to Thrifter's Rock and ask uh, them, if they, Lisa and Maggie, if they have any rope lights. And I hung rope lights in my coops to give them artificial light. And, and now we're getting uh, almost a new egg every day, so to speak. I think we're up to, what, four eggs a day now? We went from nothing, um, went from 600 a day, no, to... <clears throat> But the point is I had to turn the lights on in the coops uh, to put timers on them to get them back to laying again. And, and this is the way that God has designed our world to work, biologically and spiritually, that life is produced by light. And it's that way in the spiritual realm, the moral realm as well. It means we need exposure to the light. We need the dawning of light. We have to let the light shine on our darkness. And so 
it's really important to recognize that principle of our spiritual life, that exposure is necessary for healing. Our doctor can't fix our problem if we aren't willing for him to see our problem, right? Uh, I can't live in denial of my problem. I have to allow him to give me the hard news. And uh, acknowledging our sins then is the first step to healing. And that's why the very first sermon we see recorded in the Gospels that Jesus ever preached, the very first word that he gave was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, so repent. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He meant my kingdom is a kingdom of light. Bring your life into alignment with my life, with my truth. Let there be congruence between what you say about yourself and what I see about you myself. So life in my kingdom comes by or works by bringing our sins to his light. Spiritual life is something that only Jesus can give to us, and he only gives it one way, one way. He gives it by the dawning of light. And that's why John opened his gospel that way. The word of God was revealed to us in the flesh. The light dawned. And darkness is giving way by that. And Jesus didn't abandon us when he left this world, but he left us the Holy Spirit. And he said that the work of the Holy Spirit shall be to, to reveal truth to you, that you will know the truth, to show you the way. And the Holy Spirit does that. He brings God's light into our heart to expose the sin in our hearts so that we can live in alignment with what is true. And that's the secret of inner healing. We shouldn't be afraid of the light exposing us because it leads to our healing. And so it means we have to be corrected by the light. If we want to walk in the freedom of eternal life, we can't reject the light. It's a moral impossibility, actually, because spiritual life can only be produced by light. Jesus said, we are set free by the truth, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. In John 1 verse 4, he says, in him was life and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. So Jesus came to open our eyes that we can see so that we can be healed. Jesus knows us, he sees us, he reads us. There should be no doubt about that. Even though he knows us, yet still he says, I want to rescue you. I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. And so here's the insanity of it all, the insanity of sin, that our sinful nature doesn't like exposure to the light. John tells us at the beginning of his gospel, we've read those verses, that even though the light came, the people rejected Jesus. It says in John 3, verse 19, and this is the judgment that light came into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. Isn't that insane? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. That's the most ludicrous thing to think about, about our, our human nature, that people love darkness rather than the light. We hate the very thing that is meant to heal us. And why is that? Jesus said it's because our, we're afraid that our works will be exposed. Well, we have this inbred nature that is naturally resistant to 
the light. A sinful nature just doesn't like the light. It's like a wild animal that needs to be rescued, but it's afraid of being rescued. It, it knows that, it, knowing that rescue is being offered, it still resists it and refuses it. When I was driving home Wednesday night, uh, there was this big moose standing beside the park's highways. I was approaching the Big Lake turnoff, and uh, I thought, well, I saw this truck coming towards me, and the moose was on this side of a big hill, so that truck would be coming up over that hill and would not be able to see the moose alongside the road. And so I naturally just thought, well, maybe I should flash my lights at this truck. And as the truck passed me, I'm flashing my lights at him. I, I, I wondered, you know, I, I wondered what that trucker th- thought or how he reacted when he saw me flashing his lights at him. I mean, how have I thought, you know, that when people have flashed their lights, oh, what are you flashing lights at me for? I'm driving, right, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Well, we hate people flashing the lights at Even though flashing the lights totally means... Um, you know, or well-intended, right? It, I'm trying to protect you and trying to warn you. I heard a story about this guy driving his car on this twisty, narrow mountain road, and, and he came around to Ben, and then the other lane, there was this pig in the middle of the road, the big old pig. And as he came around the next bend, there's this car just tearing up the road, coming towards him. He thought, well, I need to warn him there's a pig on the road. So he rolled down his window. As they slowed down around the bend, he yelled out his window, pig, pig. And as he drove past the guy, the guy reacted to him by giving him the bird. Well, uh, we don't like people warning us or, you know, telling us the truth about something. You know, there's the truth, but we react to it. And I just hate that in me. I hate that when I see that in me, this inbred resistance to the light that's in my own heart. I mean, driving here this morning in the dark and it's snowing out. Frankie's telling me, hey, you're driving in the middle of the road or, or, <laughs> or you, got your, you don't have your brights on. And I'm going... Yeah, I think I'm doing okay, and you know, I mean, she's given me directions when I'm driving, and what's wrong with that? I mean, that's helpful. She's just a good-hearted soul, doesn't have a mean bone in her body, and I mean, why do we react? I mean, why do I react? I know you don't react to that, but I mean, what's wrong with that? Just this inbred resistance to somebody telling us the truth, and she can ask me if, I'm re- if I remembered to grab my car keys and there's just something inside me that needs sanctification. It needs you know, holiness. <laughs> What's wrong with somebody telling you the truth? Well, nothing, but we have just this inbred somehow resistance to wanting to know the truth and wanting to know the light. And so there's only one way, though, to walk with Christ. We have to walk in the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here's the good news of the gospel that Jesus totally gets us no matter what he sees in us. He doesn't intend to destroy us. He wants to give us his life. When he sheds light on our path, he wants that to generate life to produce spiritual life and that's his amazing grace it may come the hard way it may be difficult for us but it's meant to be grace to us and jesus knows everything about us yet still he wants to heal us and so 
The last thought I want to bring out is something that God gave me uh, personally in my own quiet time about a month ago, and I went back to my uh, journal. I'd written like six pages, I think, that God just poured into my own heart in a season where I was struggling about an issue that was going on in my life where I was being corrected and I was resisting it. And and there's this verse in 1 John 1, 6, and 7 that God spoke to me about. And again, recognize this is John, the same writer as the Gospel of John, who likes this metaphor of light. And so here's what he says in 1 John 1, 6, and 7. <clears throat> if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And what I began to see in there, actually it was like on a Monday or Tuesday in my quiet time, I read that verse, and I had preached on that verse so many times. I remember a season where just it came alive to me, and I did a whole series on the blood of Jesus and the, the healing blood, the cleansing blood of Jesus and what that means. And it, that verse just has meant so much to me over the years. And, and yet this one day I'm reading it, and it's just like a, a blank, like like. Like there's something in that verse that I'm not seen yet that needs to be seen. And I wasn't seeing it. And so I just lifted a prayer to God and I said, Lord, would you help me to see what I need to see in that verse? And I just left it with him. And it was like on Thursday or Friday, all of a sudden, I just got a holy download from God. And in the midst of that, it I remembered, oh, I had asked him for that. I wasn't putting the connection together. And, and so I'm going to just share with you some of the thoughts that came to me that day that, the, the, that this verse shows us the secret to the healing of the universe. It says, it, 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 it tells us that we need to learn to develop the habit of saying yes to the truth as God sees truth. When it says that we should walk in the light as he is the light or as he reveals light or as he is the light as he sees things that are truly true and the secret is uh, that there must be congruence uh, congruence is a mathematical term which means equality the sameness there you know there the, the should be similar equal to so congruence between my walk and god's light uh, between my own self-awareness of who I am, I must be self-aware of what I truly am and not live in denial about it and my blind spots. And there needs to be congruence with my self-awareness and God's truth. And I must be willing to have my life illuminated by the light. And what I saw back then about a month ago is that when this happens, two amazing things occur. Two healings occur in my life. One is wounded relationships are healed. And secondly, a bitter heart is healed. Two things happen when we're no longer afraid of God exposing the sin of our heart and bringing light to our heart. One is wounded relationships are healed. He said, you have fellowship one with another. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And secondly, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from sin. So our bitter hearts are cleansed and healed when we walk in the light. Isn't that really cool? 
Two things happen when we learn to walk in the light in congruence with God's truth. Relationships are healed and my own bitter heart is healed. And that's a life-changing promise for us. So what does that mean then to invite Jesus into our darkness? I wonder if Jesus has been knocking on your door lately, asking to be invited in to bring light into some area of darkness. And just want to share in closing a couple examples from my own life of what it means or what it might look like to invite Jesus into our darkness, because that could be just like a uh, ethereal like metaphor out there that's hard to understand. But let me give you a couple examples. When I was a young lad, lived on a farm in Hardington, and we had a, um, a long driveway, so we had to be picked up by a school bus. So on the school bus, there was another young boy who had developed mental disabilities. And I took advantage of him one day. Um, back in 1967 was the year of our Canadian 100th birthday, 19, 1967, yeah. So that's good for you to remember. You get points if you remember the Canadian centennial. And that year, the Canadian mint minted a, a special coin. Uh, and I remember the dime had a northern pike on it. Anybody ever remember seeing those? Uh, northern pike, it's good. I got several of them. And so I convinced this young boy on the bus that my dime was worth a dollar because I saw he had a dollar in his hand. He was taken to school for lunch probably. And for some reason, I just, for the humor of it or whatever, wanted to convince him, persuade him to trade his dollar for my dime. Ended up convincing him of that. In exchange for his dollar, I, I gave him my dime. And several years later, I'm in Bible college preparing and training for the ministry. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. And I felt so much shame that I had taken advantage of that young boy. And he, and, he, and he just, you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you, you know it's the Holy Spirit and you know you have to obey. And, uh, and he told me, I want you to write a letter of apology and send him, I don't know, $10, $20, or forget. But I hardly even knew his name. I knew his name was Cecil. And I must have, I mean, that's been a long time ago. I must have knew his family name, and I did send him a letter. I ne it never got returned to me, so I assume he got it. But it just cleared my heart, you know. And I thought, as I look back on it, I think, well, that was really wise of the Lord, <laughs> you know, uh, to, because he would know that that would be, have a healing in my heart. Like, what good is this guy if he starts the ministry out taking advantage of, of people? And so I, as I look back, I thought that's probably why the Lord had me do that. And then just a few years ago, there's another situation the Lord brought to my memory that I had long, long forgotten about. He reminded me of some harsh words that I had had with another pastor friend many years ago back in Canada. Uh, he had come to me about a situation of an older minister whose wife had just passed away. And, and I think within two or three months, this older minister remarried. And this other guy is going on and on about it, about how awful that is, how wrong that was, and how we need to talk to him. But I said, this is none of your business. You know, this, this guy get, needed to get remarried. He got remarried. And so I still think I was in the right. But I, I was pretty, pretty rough with him. You know, I was harsh with him. 
and just life went on. I moved here from Ottawa and forgot about it. Then one day, it's like just my inner soul just woke up with a revelation how I didn't speak in a Christ-like way to this other pastor friend, and I needed to apologize. So I contacted him. I think by this time there was social media, and I contacted him and apologized, reminded him of the situation, said I was sorry, I shouldn't have reacted that way. And he says, you're a good friend. And, and he, he just courteously replied and acted like he, he didn't remember it, and he uh, reciprocated that forgiveness. And, and what I didn't know what was going on is that he had cancer at the time, and within two weeks, he died of cancer. Now, I think the early service, I said it was really sweet, but I didn't mean it was sweet that he died of cancer, but it was sweet of the Holy Spirit to do that. Isn't that really good of the Lord when he shines the light on something and we take care of it, that he, he knows I've only got two weeks left? And, and my heart was released to that. I don't feel bad anymore like there was a uh, there's a freedom in acknowledging the truth that comes from that and one day i'll get to see my brother in heaven we rejoice together but i but i cleared that up and that's what it means when it's when we talk about inviting jesus into the darkness of our life it means that jesus came to be a light a healing light that heal us in our relationships and inner healing within our heart as well so I just want to close in prayer and, and let's just ask the Lord, to, let's just invite the Lord into our inner region to bring healing. Father, we need your healing light. We humbly ask you this morning to deepen our love for the truth, deepen our love for light. Give us a burning love for your healing light, Lord, to set us free to be an open book, to say yes to what you see about us, that we live in congruence with what you know about us, with your truth, Lord. And, and we just want to live in that place of fellowship with one another, of freedom from sin within our own heart and bitterness, God. And so teach us how to be open to the light, how to open ourselves to light and to live in the freedom of that, Lord. And, and just to be okay with, with knowing what is truly true. And so, Father, we just ask that your truth would, uh, would uh, burn within each of our hearts, Father, and that, and that through your word being spoken to us today, that we'll grow from that, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you, if uh, you're here this morning, you have a a need of prayer, something you need prayer for, welcome you to come forward for that. You can kneel or stand here, someone to come and pray for you. But let's just spend some time with the Lord as we close in a couple songs.